Broadcasting from Alito to Alton, from Champaign to Chicago, and from Robinson to Rockford, this is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. Come on and hop on aboard the Sports Spectacular on the move. Destination March. Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy. We are the Illini Guys. Leaving the day job on IlliniGuys.com to bring you a couple of hours of joy on your radio. We've got a big hour ahead. Basketball Hall of Fame writer Mike DeCourse. He's at the scorer's table ready to check in. One of the gurus of college hoops ready to drop some knowledge on us. And then veteran analyst and former NBA star Lynn Elmore, who knows the game like no other he will come along as well later on in the hour what a powerful duo here in hour number one as we are getting you ready for march fellas we've got illinois at michigan on sunday we can't ignore the elephant in the room michigan coach juan howard out for five games suspended for the rest of the regular season uh let's get your thoughts well a michigan may have gotten an upgrade a head coach with the addition of uh you know phil martelli on the bench i think martelli is probably uh got a lot more experience he's a guy who you know has won games he's um and they they want he's one and out now so um i think it might be a, maybe it's an upgrade for michigan yeah and this game makes me nervous because a young team like michigan has about three good games in them every year and they're going to be jacked up for the illini and they're actually going to have a coach who can coach and certainly Jawan howard's got to get this anger management thing under control before next season comes along. Yeah, they look pretty good against the Rutgers of the night, and they get Diabonte back. He was one of the three guys, uh, two for Michigan, one for Wisconsin, suspended for one game. Uh, he's back, and as you mentioned, uh, no Juwan Howard to pick on. Howard, Howard 0-4 all-time against Brad Underwood. Uh, you've got a different coach there calling the shots, and so this uh, – could be interesting coming up against the Wolverines on Sunday, one o'clock tip. That's on CBS more on uh, this game coming up in the trip to Ann Arbor for another taste of Wolverines. Uh, but let's talk a little uh, Illini and Buckeyes on Thursday night, guys, we've had a chance to sleep on this. Now, what a crazy night in the uh, upset loss, Illinois suffering uh, to the Buckeyes. Yeah. What a game of runs. Illinois gets out to a 13 point lead. Then the next thing you know, uh, 20 to two Ohio state run and they're down 16 and then they come back and cut it to one. And um, obviously Illinois didn't get the breaks maybe from the officials, but they had chances, you know, they had opportunities to win the game down the stretch and uh, just didn't make enough plays um, on either end of the floor. Uh, I got to shout out Malachi Branham. It needs to go to the NBA though. Um, I will say that he's the best player on the floor and he, he's really good. Yeah. We, we talked about that in our pre uh, our game preview, how good he was. And I will tell you, the frustrating thing is, is both teams were victims of having runs against them. And both teams had challenges, you know, one end of the quarter to the other for di- different parts of the game. The difference was, is that when the Buckeyes went inside, they got to shoot free throws when they got hit and Illinois didn't get to. Bottom line is, is there are sometimes that you could blame Illinois for shooting too many threes. Tonight wasn't one of those nights. And having a team come in and shoot 32 free throws on your floor is ridiculous. And especially when Kofi is, is missing shot after shot around the rim, he's having a bad game. There is no doubt, but he was also getting hit. There was a lot of contact. EJ blocked his shot one time and literally Kofi's head got taken off by EJ's lat slash, you know, armpit, no call. 
Um, I, I can understand how Kofi must get frustrated when he watches, you know, five fouls get whistled on him. He watches the other team shoot free throws and nothing for him. Yeah, Kofi, five for 15, his worst shooting night since uh, the Purdue game. In fact, it's ironic that you mentioned it's also the only the second time that Kofi fouled out of a game this year. The other game was a Purdue game in Champaign, the double overtime game. The referee who was on <laughs> the court for both of those, DJ Carsonson. And so if you see that name in an Illinois uh, matchup in the future, look out because uh, clearly there's a connection there uh, with that. Uh, Alfonso Plummer, 26 uh, points. He was outstanding in the first half. He came on late to hit some threes, ties a school record with eight three-pointers. Grandison, 14, Colfi, 12, Trent, 12. Coleman Hawkins had some great energy off the bench and big plays late in that game for 10 points. Um, so you're Illinois now heading into Michigan. Uh, what do you take away? Is this the, do you dwell on the 22 to two run that, that Ohio state built this lead and was able to keep it? Do you go to how this team played when Kofi was out and the comeback that they made? Brad Underwood actually post game. He said he was excited because he saw a new way to play with his group, uh, more up tempo, shredding the floor with Coleman Hawkins at the five. Um, very interesting. Um, and, and, you know, I, it, it's weird to say this, but you know, who would have been nice for Illinois to have in this game was RJ Melendez and he, yeah. he missed because of the appendicitis. And I think he would have been a guy who could match up with some of the length that Ohio state has on the wing that has given Illinois trouble over the years. So I think you just build from it and say, Hey, we know if he goes out, we play five out and we see what happens. Yeah, I, I think you've got to kind of put this game, you know, behind you now, and you've got to figure out a way. In my opinion, the biggest thing that Illinois has to change is they run into problems, and every time they lose, they get stuck on a 10-0 run or something like that. They've got to have a grad assistant, you know, tug on coach's shoulder and say, hey, coach, it's been, it's been two and a half minutes since we scored, and, and maybe you run a set play to get Trent an open shot or Kofi a, a shot in the lane. So you can break those streaks before they go to a 20 to two run. Yeah. We saw this happen against Northwestern a 19 two run. They're able to overcome that Ohio state, a better team than the Wildcats though. And they lose Thursday night. And now against Sunday, they're in Michigan. We'll talk more about the Wolverines game coming up in just a bit, but up next it's Mike DeCourcy, senior basketball writer from the sporting news. We'll get his thoughts joining us on the newsmakers line. We are just getting started. Kick back and enjoy. This is the sports spectacular powered by IlliniGuys.com. I'm Kofi Coburn. When it comes to facing my opponents on the basketball court, psh, that's easy. You know what else is easy? OSF On-Call Urgent Care. That's right, Kofi. When you need care for minor illnesses and injuries that's easy to get when and where you need it, OSF On-Call Urgent Care is your MVP. Walk in 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even holidays, or connect with a virtual visit 24-7, 365 days a year. Visit osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. reminder march is upon us and that means the second annual illini guys one thousand dollar bracket challenge it's free to enter but you must be a fully paid member of illiniguys.com so don't wait until the last minute to sign up or else you won't be eligible and don't come complaining to me uh come on in get your insider knowledge and get ready to flaunt your stuff with your best bracket at illiniguys.com time now for our newsmaker line presented by busey bank he is a hall of famer from the sporting news big 10 network and fox sports we're 
So thrilled to have back on the show, Mike DeCourcy. Uh, my friend, hello, and uh, thanks again for taking some time to, uh, to talk to us. Hey, it's great to talk to you, Larry. Appreciate that. Hey, when you and I first talked about you coming on the show, this was before last weekend, and it was before uh, the melee in, in Madison. Um, Jawan Howard, obviously, we spent some time here in these uh, couple of hours talking about this. Um, and a five-game suspension for him, one-game suspension for the three players, a fine for Wisconsin coach Greg Gard, no punishment for Joe Krabenhoff, the assistant coach. I just want to get your thoughts on, uh, well, I mean, the incident and, and was the punishment, uh, did it, did it, was it, was it worthy? Yeah, first, uh, the incident itself was unfortunately, cons- it was the product of a complete misinterpretation of how the end of a basketball game plays out. That's probably the best way I can put it. And what I mean by that is when one team has a significant lead on the other, it's kind of up to the trailing team to say, we're playing this to the end or, okay, we're done. To an extent that the leading team, if they keep their starters in for an exorbitant amount of time, depending on how large the lead is. I mean, if you're up 30 and you're still playing your starters in the final minute, you've probably crossed the line. But when you're up 14, I think it's it, it's not out of line to continue to play at least into the final minute uh, because that that those leads have – I was at an NCAA tournament game where a 12-point lead went in like I think 60 or 70 seconds. I saw Jason Williams. I was at the gone in 60 seconds game. It was a double-digit lead. I don't remember the exact number. Uh, Maryland, Duke, 2001. So you got to make sure that the lead is safe. So 48 seconds-ish. Greg Gard calls timeout, rolls his subs and walk-ons in, and Michigan continues to play. Okay, great. No problem. It's your prerogative to continue to play. Okay, so then uh, they pulled up, pulled off a steal off of one of those players in the front court. Uh, Michigan did. Devontae, uh, Devontae Jones scores with, um, with a minute, excuse me, with 22 seconds left. He, he puts, I believe it was a layup. He puts that in. And at that point, it's kind of over. I mean, there's no shot clock. So Michigan's under, excuse me, Wisconsin is under no obligation to take a shot. Therefore, you can't retrieve the ball in order to score more points. Uh, so that's kind, of, that's kind of the standard, okay, it's over moment in, in those kinds of games where the lead, trailing team has chosen to compete uh, to the end that inside the final shot clock is kind of the, okay, it's over. And Wisconsin, had they been, had they been permitted to inbound the ball with no pressure would have walked the ball up the floor and dribbled out the final seconds. We can say that with a very high degree of certainty, right? Not just taking Greg guards word for it, but our own experience of having watched it probably 25,000 times. (laughs) Okay. So Instead, Juwan has four players in the backcourt defending. And when the ball was inbounded at the opportunity that presented itself, they doubled the ball. So he says that's not a full court press. I don't know how he gets that, but whatever it is, it's not okay. The game is over. Yeah. That is him continuing to compete. Yeah. Again, it's his prerogative to do that. Right. But if he continues to compete, 
then the leading coach has a right to also continue to compete. And guards explanation of, well, I'm not just going to throw my walk-ons out there and, uh, you know, and have them get the ball taken off them in front of 20,000 people. I'm going to coach. If you're coaching, I'm coaching. Right. And so that angered Jawan Howard. That's the, the, he is entitled to his anger if he wants to have it. It's not logical and it's not reasonable. But if he has that anger, then it's his job to, to control it. And the con- way to control it, there's two ways. One, just suck it in and go through the dumb handshake line and, and be done with it. Or walk away from the handshake line. I wouldn't have criticized him for it because even though I disagreed with his reasoning, I think handshake lines are just contrived and have very little to do with sportsmanship. So I would have been fine with it. He probably would have gotten criticized for walking away from the handshake line. I'm sure. But you know what, Lair, he'd be coaching right now. Yeah. Because none of this stuff would have happened. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I was going to finish by saying, like when guard tried guard had the option when Jawan felt compelled to make his point about how he was going to remember this guard had the option. And it was the better option to say, shake your head, walk away that guy, you know, and just keep on leaving. And instead he felt compelled to make his point about why he did what he did Mm -hmm. to try to wrap, to try to justify himself to somebody who would at that point was and because Greg had a point to make, it was clear that Jawan's anger was irrational. So that doesn't necessarily mean he takes that irrational anger to the point that he did, but there's no point in trying to get in his way, to touch his arm, to, to move in front of him. None of that is productive. So the, the, the fine that Greg Gard was assessed by the Big Ten was was warranted mm-hmm. wasn't out of line you know wasn't exorbitant was warranted the punishment for Juwan Howard five games all five remaining regular season games I, you know I think some people thought that his season should have ended I know I read that I read other people who said he should have been fired um, I thought five games was appropriate I do think that it creates the possibility of uncomfortable moment at the big 10 tournament. But I think that, you know, five games is gosh, uh, what two full weeks. And then he doesn't compete until the middle part, middle to the end of the third week. So that's a good three weeks for him to, to sort of assess what went wrong. And, and I think that that's sufficient. And if it so happened that Wisconsin were to play Michigan, uh, then I think that would be an opportunity for them to have a show of sportsmanship, so to speak, and put this behind them. So I thought the Big Ten handled that beautifully. Talking with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News, Big Ten Network, and Fox Sports here on the Newsmaker Line, presented by Busey Bank. More with Mike in 30 seconds on the Sports Spectacular. At Busey Bank, we understand you have a vision for your future, and we're committed to helping you achieve your dreams. Since 1868, we've invested in recruiting and retaining the best and brightest associates. Busey's unique culture is one that values and supports you, provides opportunities for growth, and it's much more than a job. It's a career. Build relationships, build community, and build your career at Busey Bank. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. What, what about the, the, the players throwing punches and getting one game? Um, first off, 
for Juwan Howard, that's on you because if there was no punch yeah. thrown until you took a swing at Krabenhoff again with an open palm, with an open hand. But if you don't throw that, if you don't swing at it, somebody, your players don't swing at somebody. Right. And so the three suspensions, two Michigan players, one Wisconsin, to me, that's on Howard. Um, and at yeah. the same time, was that too light? Because now if you only get one game for throwing a punch at somebody, what's to say that you don't throw a punch at somebody you want to ha- have out of the game? And you Larry, say sitting out one game is worth it for me. That, that, but that penalty for, for fighting has existed since, nine, I believe it was the 88-89 season. In 1988, in the 87-88 season, Georgetown and Pitt got involved in a massive brawl right. yeah. that was very, un, very unattractive for right. the sport. Right. And it was the culmination of a lot of those kinds of things, especially in the Big East. The, the competition in the Big East had gotten so hot and heavy. So the Big East uh, ADs got together and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Anybody that gets caught fighting is out for a game now. And I, at, I don't believe they initially had this, but at some, at a subsequent point, the entire rules committee said, okay, here's the deal. One, you get, you get ejected for fighting. That's a game. You get ejected for fighting twice. You're done for the year. That's it. You're not playing anymore. And, and what, you know what happened, Larry, a lot less fighting, almost none. There's almost none. So there's a precedent for the one game suspension. What I really admired about the big 10 office here, again, when I looked at that tape with some other people, uh, we all saw this guy, that guy, the other guy, those three guys. And they got the exact three right guys in, in, in their examination of the tape, no collateral damage, so to speak. They got the three who were involved in swinging. I, I thought that they did a terrific job as, as also to their credit in communicating. Sunday afternoon, not long after what happened, here comes a statement from the office. We know we're looking at it. We're going to take care of this following day. Here's what we did. Here's, you know, I thought they did a great job of that. It would have been very easy for them to, to, to say, okay, you know, don't, don't bother us, you know, but they made sure that they were on top of it. I thought it was all handled really well. Here's the other part that a lot of fans will push back on is that the Big Ten has a maximum two game suspension that that's the big 10 call only suspends money for two games. So Michigan comes in, as you said, to your point, communicating with the conference with Wisconsin, they all got together and said, here's what we're going to do. And Michigan does the five games for Juwan Howard. The big 10 does the one game for each player. A few years ago, Alan Griffin, he's a freshman for Illinois steps on the chest of a Purdue player who's down on the ground. And they had to try to, to block his shot and gets a two game suspension. Right. So for Illinois fans are like, well, that was, that was one act of passion. He got two games. Here's an act of passion in Musa Diabate's. There's a flurry of haymakers. Thankfully, none of them landed. Um, he gets one game. And so I think Illinois fans are like, well, gee, wait a minute. There's, there's this feeling out there among Illini Nation that once again, Michigan gets off easy. Well, I don't see. I don't agree with that because Wisconsin got the same penalty. And what, uh, what, was, what was done a couple of years ago was a blatant uh, disregard for the rules and for sportsmanship. This was a heated moment that, as you mentioned, was somewhat the product of the actions of his, uh, in, in Debate's case, uh, his head coach. Uh, it, so I, and, and honestly, I mean, let's be honest, Lair, if, if they were playing, if they were playing Wisconsin uh, on Sunday, on the weekend, 
uh, if the Wolverines were playing Wisconsin on the weekend and, and Debate could could help the, the Wolverines beat the Badgers, the Illini fans be like, yeah, one game. That sounds sure. right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. It's, you know, they're, they're playing uh, this weekend. So yeah. it looks, you know, oh, gosh, we get to face them at full force. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, that's, so and I understand that. But I mean, that's the that's the root of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, let's move on to the, the Big Ten race, um, because we've got, you know, kind of again, you know, there's just the, the teams here at the top, uh, Purdue, Wisconsin, um, going into the weekend, tied at first, uh, going into Thursday night, Illinois, a half game back as they uh, take on uh, Ohio State. Uh, what a fantastic race. Surprising Michigan isn't there. Last time you and I talked before the season, they were a, a top 10 team, but things haven't gone the way they, uh, you know, we, we thought they would. Um, but what a fantastic race. We thought that 15 and five might win this conference, 16 and four. If those two teams uh, can hang on, could win this race. Hanging on's hard though, Lair. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it's, it's a really challenging uh, challenging season for everybody because the teams at the top are so good and the teams in the middle are so good and the teams at the bottom have not quit uh so it's including teams at the bottom like Rutgers or in the middle uh, taking a run at the top so it's it's a it's not what it was last year let's not pretend that it is uh or even the year before when we went all the way to 14 with legitimate I mean, excuse me all the way to 12 out of 14 uh-huh. with legitimate tournament contenders into at least the last week of february maybe the month of march early march uh, this it's not a, it's not as strong but it's really strong i mean look at the standings and you're counting down one two three four five six seven eight nine legit tournament contenders all fighting for uh for bids it's conceivable they could all wind up inside, but the fact that Michigan had to play Rutgers the other night, the fact that uh, Rutgers and Indiana faced them face each other on what I believe is the penultimate game for both of them, mm-hmm. uh, I think that uh, that that will probably eliminate the possibility of getting all of them in, but uh, they still are all alive for it and capable of getting it, and so I, I you know I think that. Uh, that has made the race really interesting. It, when people talk about great leagues and, and and the big 10 is an easy target for a lot of people because of the power, the money, the alumni bases, et cetera. They, they look at the fact that the league has not won an NCAA championship since 2000 and dismiss it as a result. And then they compound it with last year's frankly failure in the tournament by the league generally and by particular teams. Right. But that's not what makes a league. What makes a league great is you go out and if you're not ready to play, you might lose. Right. In this league, Penn State is getting a few. Um, you, know, you look at uh, Maryland, uh, they're getting some. Minnesota early on was getting them and now it's kind of worn down. Uh, Nebraska is the only team in the league that isn't capable of beating a tournament contender. And, 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 and has done that several times as, as the others have. Um, so I think that's what makes this league special. And I don't see it abating anytime soon. And certainly not in the next two and a half weeks. <laughs> no, not at all. That's for sure. Uh, Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News joining us here on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. We need to take a quick local break, but more insights from Mike as we get ready for March Madness here on the Illini Guys Radio Network.
This is Brad Underwood. You're listening to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. This is the Sports Spectacular, powered by IlliniGuys.com. As we move into the segment presented by HX Home Solutions, we continue with senior college basketball writer Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News. Uh, Mike, I want to talk about the ACC. I recently wrote a piece for IlliniGuys.com asking if this is the end of Duke and perhaps the ACC. Things are cyclical, but with Roy Williams out at North Carolina, Mike Krzyzewski now in his final month at Duke, Jim Beheim at Syracuse, he's close to 80 and can't coach forever. Uh, that's nine NCAA championships, and I think 24 Final Fours among them. That's a huge void. How do they fill that in the ACC? And the big question mark that is John Shire, it's so difficult to replace a legend, and with a couple of exceptions, Krzyzewski assistants haven't set the world on fire once they leave the nest. So what says that Shire will be different? You know, about five to seven years ago, I couldn't pin down the exact time frame. The SEC went through a period of literally getting three bids, four bids out of 14. They've had four, well, out of 12 to 14. I can't remember exactly when uh-huh. they, uh, but they were right around 14 teams, probably early part of the last decade. Uh, and they were getting three bids, four bids, five bids. And that's, and they got together and they said, this isn't good enough. We can do better. We've got all this money. Uh, we've got, you know, SEC football money to burn. What, why are we so bad? And they went and they hired Mike Trangizi as a consultant and he helped with their scheduling. And, and in, in some cases, I believe, uh, helped with, uh, vetting coaches. Uh, what do you think? Yes or no? Is he good? Is he not? Uh, they hired Dan Leibovitz as their bas- a basketball commissioner. And he did a terrific job as well. Uh, and, and, and we've seen, although I mentioned before, some of the teams at the bottom of the league are struggling. Um, th- we've seen resurgences at Alabama, at Auburn. Uh, you know, Kentucky has been there all along. We've seen Arkansas, Arkansas. make a huge jump. And so it's, it's, it, it has made a difference. If, those th- if they hadn't had those meetings and they hadn't uh, you know, made those moves and they hadn't gotten guys into the league like Nate Oates and Muss, um, you know, they'd be, it'd be Kentucky kicking everybody's tail and they'd be getting three bids or four bids or whatever. So that's what the ACC needs. Yeah. This is a flex point for the ACC. As you mentioned, all those coaches, you didn't mention Leonard Hamilton. He's in his seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doesn't look like it. He looks like he's 25, <laughs> but he's in his seventies. He's the Dorian uh, Gray of basketball, isn't he? Yes, he is. <laughs> the guy he never is. Exactly. Yeah. I told somebody, uh, I reminded somebody he was an assistant on the 78 Kentucky team that won the title and people didn't believe me. They had to go look it up. They went, Oh, you were right. I'm like, this guy's ancient. Yeah. <laughs> so it's crazy. Great coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Jim Laranaga as well. Yeah, in the 70s. You know, so, and Mike Bray is, uh, I think he's my age. So, uh, so, so there, there is a, there, there will be a changing of the guard to some degree. I don't know how long Mike wants to coach, but let's say it's another 10 years. That's still, you know, that's still not that far out. Um, So every, every team in that league has to think forward. And then there are the, you know, other than, uh, other than Virginia, which knows exactly where it is and wants to be. You look at teams like Pitt, um, which is struggling so badly. NC state is struggling. Uh, A lot of wake is another team that's set, but there's so many, that need to move forward one way or the other. And so I, I, I don't think that I'm willing to say that it's over, but they need, they need direction. Yeah. They need some vision. Now, 
They hired a brilliant commissioner a year ago. We know very well from the Big Ten. Uh, and Jim Phillips will help make this better. I don't have any doubt. Uh, I, I fully believe that he will uh, he will do the things that I talked about in some way, shape, or form. Maybe he's the Mike Trangisi. I can believe that. He, he'd, he'd do great if he has the time. Yeah, he's he's outstanding. You mentioned NC State's another one. Kevin Keats, a uh, lot of buzz that he may be done into the season. It's uh, hard to believe he's been five seasons already. And like you said, NC State, like some other schools, see an opportunity right now where there is that void at the top with UNC struggling this year and Hubert Davis's first year. Shire is coming on. Where is Duke going to go? There is that chance to kind of uh, edge your way in with some of the, the blue bloods. Hey, before I let you go, I want to talk about um, uh, your picks for Coach of the Year and Player of the Year. I think we've got some outstanding candidates for both. Coach of the Year usually kind of goes by, doesn't get talked a lot about a, a lot. We've had some great coaches do some great things at Arizona, Providence, make an argument for, for Illinois and Brad Underwood with what he's had to navigate with all the injuries. Uh, and Player of the Year, I mean, there, there are six or seven really strong candidates that, that it's, it, I don't think that we can lose uh, with, with picking any of those young men. There are going to be players on my second All-America team that I, that it's going to be agonizing for me to send the email to the SID saying, your guy's on second team. Yeah. Because your guy's a first-team All-American. That We just, you can't. Unless the vote, unless the votes come in from my panel and it's tied, I can't. And I'm not expanding that. It's not right. Right. Uh, but if they, so if they come in and it's tied, then we'll have seven first-team All-Americans. But most likely we'll have five first-team All-Americans, and two to four who should be. Uh, that's, that's, that's how deep in really talented college basketball players we are this year. Uh, the, the, the gain for the evolution of the NBA, close to done three years, and maybe even thinking about a fourth. That's just the way it's changed. So then you have Oscar Shibway, you have Kofi, and then you have these great dynamic wings who emerged out of almost nowhere like Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis. It's a tremendous group of players. It really is. And then you have the freshmen, the very few freshmen who are making a significant impact like Bancaro at Duke or uh, Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, uh, guys who are making an impact uh, are, are, are terrific players. So it's going to be very difficult to choose. Uh, you know, I haven't, as of last weekend, my my list began with Oscar Shibwe and followed with Johnny Davis. Um, I haven't got. I'm, I'm not going to even think about whether to change that list until we get to a nut through another full week of games. Uh, and I really don't have to make up my mind until the last, you know, until the after the regular season or whatever. And uh, Naismith, I vote for ours, obviously, and then. Uh, the sporting news and then Naismith, I've, I'm a voter also. So, um, so Naismith gives a little more time. So we'll see coach of the year for me at this point still has to probably finish off winning the big East championship, which he can do if he wins one of his final two games, Ed Cooley, what he's done at Providence uh, miraculous is a strong word, but ridiculous maybe is a good word. <laughs> this is true, Larry. They have eight. They have eight players in their rotation. Out of those eight players, uh, one of them was ranked number forty-eight in his class by twenty-four-seven Sports. One was ranked number one hundred. Those are their two one, top one hundred players on their team that now is twenty-three and three, and first in the Big East. Two top hundred. Then everybody else is ranked lower than two hundred, and four of them 
well, technically aren't ranked lower than 200 because they weren't ranked at all. <laughs> they have four unranked players in their, in their eight player rotation. And, and, and 24 seven sports goes all the way to 400. I mean, it took, that's your rotation. And that's what you win 23 out of 30 out of 26 games. I, I think that what's happened in Arizona with Tommy Lloyd is impressive as heck. What Mark Adams has done at Texas Tech has been remarkable. What Scott Drew has been able to do with losing, you know, four-fifths of a championship starting lineup mm-hmm. is really amazing. And he probably deserves some a significant uh, congratulations for that. But I just right now think that what Ed has done, what Ed Cooley has done at Providence is being totally overlooked. And to your point, and this is somebody who got zero media buzz. He nor his program, yeah. uh, they have been outstanding. Uh, Mike, as always, uh, we have taken up way too much of your time. But as, as we all know, anyone who's listened to us on podcasts and on the show here before, when you and I start talking, we're, we're going to go a while. Uh, Mike, <laughs> I appreciate your time. And um, good luck. Look for you uh, in Indianapolis at the Big Ten Tournament. And, and have fun here in March. All right, I will look forward to seeing you. Mike DeCourcy, check him out on the Sporting News, Big Ten Network, and Fox Sports. Our very special guest right here in this segment presented by HX Home Solutions. The expert analysis doesn't stop there. Big Ten Network analyst Lynn Elmore is up next. I told you we're getting ready for March. The flow of knowledge continues after this. Planning to repair or upgrade your home or place of business? Whether it's a leaky roof, windows, or door, worn-out siding or paint, outdated kitchen, bathroom, or basement, look no further than HX Home Solutions, your one-stop shop for remodeling inside and out. Trusted by Chicagoland since 1950, find out why HX gets an A-plus rating by the Better Business Bureau. Call today, 224-880-6000. That's HX Home Solutions. 224-880-6000. Mention code NCAA and schedule your free estimate. Once again, 224-880-6000, HX Home Solutions. Since Busey Bank first opened our doors in 1868, we have built upon a tradition of close relationships and broad financial capabilities. Our experienced team provides the highest level of personalized service to ensure we accomplish your goals, simplifying your wealth management and business lending needs, and ensuring a legacy for generations. Building business, growing wealth since 1868. Proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini. Member FDIC. The Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. If you need to reach us or have a question, our email address is info at IlliniGuys.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Illini underscore guys. And this segment presented by OSF Healthcare. Our next guest has had one of the more colorful careers of anyone you'll ever meet. A former All-American and college leader spending a decade in the NBA before becoming an assistant district attorney in Brooklyn. These days, he's a senior lecturer at Columbia University and a color commentator for the Big Ten Network and FS1, the incomparable Lynn Elmore. Sir, welcome to the Sports Spectacular. Oh, thanks, Larry. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's always good to talk to you, my friend. I, I have to ask, um, have you written a book? I mean, I don't know that very few people have had the career you've had and to be able to do all the amazing things you have. Uh, no, I haven't written that book yet. I'm still uh, trying to finish the story, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, there are probably some other things that I'd like to do, but um, the, the one overriding factor is, uh, you know, I 
growing up in New York City, in Brooklyn, New York, as you mentioned, uh, me going back there as an assistant DA, the one thing that, uh, you know, was imparted to me by my parents and everything is not to put limitations on the dream. And there's so many things that I wanted to do. Um, you know, one of my uh, inspirations was reading a book about Paul Robeson, who obviously was an outstanding football player, played baseball in the Negro Leagues, but he was also a valedictorian at Rutgers and Phi Beta Kappa at a time when, you know, black males weren't looked upon as uh, intellectuals. Um, and he was also a human rights activist. Uh, he just wore many hats. He was a singer, concert singer, as well as an actor. Um, he was a renaissance man and that really struck me so you know as i said the story's not finished i don't think no no it's not well i mean and, and already what a uh, a great inspiration certainly you are a renaissance man in your own right doing all the things uh, that you've accomplished I, I have to ask you because it's obviously the talk of the week and the um, what happened to the big 10 michigan wisconsin and Juwan Howard suspension, the players and Greg Gard and all that. Um, what are your thoughts? One, when you first saw it, what 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 were your thoughts then? And then, um, as now we're we're past that and and punishment has been meted out, um, does everything um, sit the way that you think it should go? Was it all? Um, uh, and I always struggle with a way to say this, but was it? Um, did the punishment uh, meet the crime? Well, first of all, when I, when I was uh, viewing the game and I was watching the game live, I, I was extremely disappointed. Um, you know, I've known Juwan, and, and, you know, not uh, closely, but I've known Juwan since he was a player. And, you know, I, I like him very much and greatly respect him, but um, he was wrong. Uh, and, you know, regardless of what Greg Gard did, whether it was, you know, the calling a timeout towards the end of the game, even though they had a double-digit lead in the game, uh, was out of Michigan's reach, um, regardless of whether he put his hand up to stop Juwan when they were uh, on the handshake line. It, it, the, the swing was uncalled for, and primarily because you're a leader and your young people take cues from, from your actions. And, you know, when he swung, and I didn't see anything that precipitated the swing, I don't think that uh, Krabenhoff, anything less than calling Juwan a, a, an out, outrageous name, um, wouldn't, you know, obviously necessitate somebody swinging a punch. Uh, I, I think that it just sent a, a bad message. And if you notice, the players uh, were still milling around and nothing uh, approaching a melee occurred until a swing took place. And again, it's, it's all about modeling as a coach. And my hope was, and, and you know, I never, I rarely use Twitter to, to voice opinions, but, but I think that it, it's, it's really important. Uh, to be able to say it, that, you know, that was a time when he should have used a press conference uh, to cool down, to apologize, and, you know, to say to his team, uh, look, you know, that was not the, the type of uh, behavior and not the type of conduct based on, on the fact situation that I would expect from you. Because as a coach, how do you go back and tell your guys, you know, keep your poise, um, you know, remain calm, you know, play the game cool, be sportsman, uh, when, when you have an act like that? You know, ironically, uh, immediately after the incident, uh, Ward Manuel, the athletic director, I understand, apologized to the Wisconsin athletic director. The president of University of Michigan apologized to the president of, of Wisconsin. So they saw the same thing I did and, and many fans did and came to the same conclusion. You know, I'm happy that, you know, the Big Ten came down with the type of um, type of sanction that they did, I, I think was fitting. Uh, no, he did not deserve to lose his job. He, he has far too much positive 
uh, to to convey and to impart to his players that uh, this one mistake shouldn't terminate it. But it, it teaches a lesson. And I think that it also gives other people pause because I was shocked at how many people tried to defend it. And, you know, the, the misinformation in this world really struck me at that time. You know, Juwan Howard himself said he, he reacted to someone touching him. And the next thing you know, someone says someone grabbed him. And next thing you know, someone says so it's like playing telephone. Yeah. Uh, but the, <laughs> but the bottom line was that it was it was an uncalled for reaction. We are all. Uh, uh, frail in, in, in many ways uh, to situations like that. Juwan made a mistake. Uh, he'll pay for it, and, and he'll be able to move on, and hopefully it's a teachable lesson. Well, and that's what I hope, and I wrote about this on IlliniGuys.com, and I, I did an op-ed, and, and, I, and I made the case for firing Juwan Howard. I'm with you. I don't think he should have been fired in this instance. My concern is, is to your point, there's a bigger picture. There's a lesson to be taught here. There are three student-athletes who sat out a game this week because of your actions. I mean, to your point, they're, they were just milling around and in various stages of disagreement when he, he made that effort. And I was very disappointed the same with you that, that, that he didn't come out and afterwards and, and make that statement. The statement came out more than 30 hours later, and it was a written statement that could have been written by anybody. I think it's important for, for him and for his uh, reputation that, as you said, has been so well-crafted since he grew up in Chicago South side and going to Michigan and going to the Washington bullets and, and, and all the things that he's done in, in his, in an amazing career. He's a great, to me, he epitomizes, I said this in the first sentence, he epitomizes the best of America, but in one instance, he instantly, he immediately became a villain. And it's one of those moments that is, we remember Dennis Robin kicking a photographer. We remember Grace and Allen tripping people. We remember Ron Artest going into the stands. Juwan Howard is going to be that guy who hit a coach after a game. And, and, and I think the, it's, it's one of those things psychologically, I think it's important for people to see to see him actually have that, uh, that remorse and move forward. And here's my question for you. And I wrote about this as well. Sports is a microcosm of society and we're in a society right now. And you, and you hit on this, that we, we will do, we will see something with our own eyes and still find a way to defend it. Or find a way to say, I once showed somebody a, a, a clip of, of a, something a politician said, and the person looked at it, and after looking at it said, I still don't believe it. And so I think, is, isn't this kind of almost where we are right now as a society, that, that we can see something live happen like this, and yet talk ourselves into finding ways to, to absolve the person? Yeah, I mean, what we do oftentimes, and, and I say there's so many of us in America, we, we trap ourselves into certain beliefs, and there's nothing uh, that can move us off that. I, I don't know if it's pride. I, I don't know if it's, you know, just the, the, the lack of reason, um, but you come, become intransigent in, in, in your positions. And, you know, there have been times we look through history where, you know, great leaders have had what I call a moral evolution. And right now, I, I just don't see us having that as a nation. And as I said, it goes from politics. It, it goes from, you know, basic, uh, you know, social uh, interactions that we just don't um, recognize that it's okay to change. Um, we also have to recognize that it's okay to make mistakes and that uh, as long as we own up to them, that's the authenticity of, of humanity. And, and if we can do that, um, you know, we're all better off, uh, particularly in dealing with each other. 
Yeah. Amen to that. There's a lack of responsibility. There's a lack of repercussion. And we're waiting for those people, that, that group, that person that sometimes somewhere, someone is going to say something that says that's enough and hold people accountable. Uh, well said. Talking with Lynn Elmore here. Uh, he's worn many hats over his career right now, a color commentator at Fox Sports. Uh, always enjoy your commentary. Let's talk a, a little Big Ten basketball right now. We're coming down to the end. Uh, just a couple of weekends left before the Big Ten tournament. Um, we've got right now the kind of the, the big three at the top with uh, Purdue, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Um, I, I'm sure you have, but I, I can't recall in recent years where we've had three teams uh, be, if you will, the cream of the crop of a league that's this competitive top to bottom. Yeah, I, and I think that if they're the cream at the top, it's, it's a very thin head at the top, <laughs> uh, simply because of that competitiveness. Uh, you know, Purdue throughout the year with, with a couple of stumbles has still demonstrated from a talent standpoint that, you know, they may have what it takes to, to go away in, in the tournament. But um, you can't discount Wisconsin, Illinois. The thing about Purdue, Wisconsin, Illinois, and, and even Ohio State in Iowa is that they all have that one guy who can carry them, um, you know, Purdue with Jaden Ivey and maybe Trayvon Williams, um, you know, Wisconsin, Johnny Davis, obviously Illinois, Kofi Coburn, and, and when in a pinch you've got Trent Frazier, uh, certainly Ohio State with E.J. Liddell and, and Iowa with Keegan Murray. You know, those guys can carry you. Now, when you look at a couple of teams that are squarely on the bubble, you know, Michigan has, has Dickinson and, you know, emerging uh, group of, of young players behind him. Um, and then you have Michigan State, and, and which I think is in the tournament. Uh, and then you have Rutgers as well, who, you know, you're not sure. Rutgers, you think about, um, you know, their, their triumvirate there. Uh, but, you know, in the end, I, I just think that it is so competitive that the tournament is, is going to, you know, really – Give you give us some surprises, and let's not forget Indiana as well, which you know right now seems to have played themselves onto the bubble after you know seemingly squarely in the tournament. Uh, but uh, in the end, I, I just think that this is so competitive that um, you know the teams that are on the bubble have an opportunity to get off that bubble. You know, unfortunately, there are bid stealers in in certain conferences throughout the nation that could uh, you know wreck those dreams. But you talked about those five teams at the top of the Big Ten are teams that, that can do some damage. Yeah, and, and as your point, you look at the Big Ten tournament here in a couple of weeks in Indianapolis. Um, you know, it's one of those years where that eight-nine game uh, that'll be played on on Thursday could wind up being you know uh, to get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament the way it it may work out depending on uh, the two teams that are there. You know, we just uh, talked with Mike DeCourcy last half hour, and I want to ask you as well as a former ACC guy about right now that conference. Um, you lose Roy Williams last year, Mike Krzyzewski on his way out this year. Um, you know, Jim Beheim's getting close to 80. He can't do it forever. Uh, Leonard Hamilton out of Florida State, uh, Jim Larinaga at Miami in their 70s. Um, this is a time right now that that the league has lost with the big three I first mentioned, uh, Williams, Kay, and Beheim. That's like nine NCAA championships and 24 Final Fours among them. And so you take them away, you've got just the two final fours left, and that's the title game by Virginia and Tony Bennett and Larry Nagel when he was at George Mason. Um, what does the ACC have to do to, to become relevant again? I mean, right now this is a, a league that's just – it's kind of one or two teams, and, and that's it. Well, I, I've always said that the ACC uh, over the years, over the last decade, you know, is really paying for the success that they had in bringing in uh, quality players. 
because we know those quality players are going to stay a year, uh, possibly two, and then they're gone. It is so difficult to reload with, uh, you know, the, the top-notch recruiting across the country and the disbursement of talent across the country that the ACC is not going to get that concentrated shot of, of outstanding freshmen coming in year by year. And we've seen that now. Certainly Duke continues to, to recruit players at that level. But when you take a look at some of the other perennials, you know, you look at Virginia, you look at Carolina and others, you know, their talent level is, is way down by comparison to years in the past. Maybe that has to do with the, the new coaches who certainly have to prove themselves. I mean, you know, Hubert Davis, obviously, his reputation speaks for itself. Uh, and, you know, eventually he's probably going to get it done in Carolina. Tony Bennett always finds a way, regardless of whether he has McDonald's All-Americans or not. I mean, he's just, just a totally outstanding coach. Um, and, and you look throughout the league, uh, you look at NC State, you look at Miami, um, you know, the addition of Louisville, uh, over the years with, with new coaches, uh, with a new coach coming in, um, you know, you're just going to have to find ways to recruit. I know Miami's going to worry when Jim's gone, you know, are they going to be able to land somebody who can essentially compete uh, in, in the uh, in the recruiting uh, circus, if you will. And, and the same thing, I think, with Syracuse. You know, their question is, who is going to be there? Who's going to step in the breach? It'll be similar to, uh, to what happened at Duke, uh, I think that hopefully for those schools, they maintain their tradition and hire somebody who is connected to to the you know long and 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 very um, substantial history that that Syracuse has had as well. Because I think that uh, is is the formula. You look at Carolina, you look at Duke, you look on their benches. They have guys who are connected uh, with with that uh, program with their history. And, and quite honestly, you know, I have to show my my school, Maryland, um, you know, we're looking for a new coach as well. And the hope is that, you know, that's one of the, the features of that individual, that if they're not connected directly as, as a former player or a former coach, that they will have uh, a way to connect uh, the past tradition. Because that, I think, is what's impressive for recruits. It, it, it galvanizes the fan base. And, and obviously, the combination of all of those things are components of, of a very successful and, and long-running program. And and I think that, you know, the Maryland program, and and not just because I'm talking to you, is one of those that when, when Maryland basketball is good, college basketball is better. And it goes back to, you know, Lefty Giselle and, and Gary Williams and and what Mark Turgeon has done in the, the, the past decade. Um, I'm coming up against a break. Unfortunately, I have to leave it there. Lynn, I hope you'll come back and talk with us again. Um, I, there was so much uh, that I we haven't begun to scratch the surface with you. So hopefully we get a chance to talk to you again sometime on the Sports Spectacular. Well, you got my number. I'm around. That's Lynn Elmore, the Big Ten Network and FS1 on this segment presented by OSF Healthcare. Hour number two is up next. More on the Illini-Ohio State game and a look ahead to Sunday's showdown at Michigan. You're listening to the Illini Guys Radio Network. I'm DeMonte Williams. When it comes to hustling on the court, that's easy. You know what else is easy? OSF On-Call Urgent Care. That's right, DeMonte. When you need care for minor illnesses and injuries that's easy to get when and where you need it, OSF On-Call Urgent Care is your MVP. Walk in 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, even holidays, or connect with a virtual visit 24-7, 365 days a year. Visit osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. 